Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Ladies and gentlemen, today on An Actor Despairs, we have Anna Nageda, and we're here to talk about her play, Which Way to the Stage. She's incredible. She's an actress. She's a writer. She's a creator. And you know her from things like The Vampire Diaries and Stars is Hightown. And her play just closed last night, but there is so much more room for life for this, and I really want to see it transfer to Broadway. In this interview, we talk about her acting career and writing and dig deeply into the play. And I believe it's going to have another life of its own. There's already a regional production, but please... Listen to this interview, do whatever you can, you know, Instagram, reach out to her because I believe we can really get another life for this. And I'm, this is a call to action because it's so incredible and it deserves so much more of a run. And I'm just so grateful to Anna. Guys, here it is. Anna Nageda, how are you doing? I'm wonderful, Ryan. Thank you for having me. I had the immense pleasure of seeing your play which way to the stage last night at MCC. And I don't know about you. Um, I've only started doing this with movies, but I've been doing it with theater for a long time. When I decide to see a show or when I, I, you know, something like this presents itself, I don't look anything up. I don't, I don't, I I don't read it. Like, because I just like, you know, especially like theater critics, man, some of those guys are the dick jerks man yeah yeah <laughs> and so like i find my best play experiences are just knowing nothing you know what i mean and going in and so i didn't know what to expect uh, outside of like the title so i imagined there was a stage somewhere right oh my god it was <laughs> so good i mean the casting was perfect the writing it's so relevant like how, I, I want this thing to because that's not Broadway, right? This is off Broadway, yeah. So how do we, well? Let's get it to Broadway by the end of this episode. You and me, let's make it yeah. happen. <laughs> but let's raise a few million dollars and uh, get you know Jeffrey Seller on. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. yeah. I know. <laughs> I know Niederlander. You know, I'll yeah. call them. Um, but also, you're an incredible actress. You know, you were, we were just speaking about High Town. You've done Vampire yes. Diaries, Blacklist. So. Before we get to all of it, let's start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Philadelphia, uh, born and raised in Philly. My parents still live in the house I grew up in. Um, That's nice. Not many people could say that. I know. I feel feel very lucky. I think that if and when they do eventually sell it, I will be totally traumatized and way too old to be traumatized. You know what I mean? I'll be like... No, it's always hard. Yeah. I'll just be like, what are you doing? So I... um, yeah, they still live there in in East Falls, Pennsylvania, which is technically Philadelphia, but it's like we had a lawn. It's a sort of in-between kind of area. And I, you know, I I lived in one house there my whole life. And wow. um yeah. only only child? No, no, I have an older sister who wow. lives in New York now. So we're all very close together. And and I'm curious, what did your parents do for a living? My parents, um, their their favorite joke is that they met in a psych ward um, because my father is a psychiatrist wow. and my mother is a nurse. And so they met in the psychiatric ward of a hospital wow. when they were both working there. That's your um, next play. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. 
is a romance in the psych ward. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that's a great name for a, that's a great name for a band too. That's true. <laughs> panic at the dick yeah. disco. Romance at the psych ward. Yeah. Oh man. So yeah. um yeah, that's where they met. And uh yeah, that's that was sort of my whole childhood was very um I don't know. You you can tell I was raised by people that aren't afraid of therapy and like sort of yeah. talking about feelings and aren't like uncomfortable with any of those things. And that's probably like, no one was a performer at all. And, but probably like the me being sort of fascinated with the human psyche is probably more what led me in into this industry than, than anything. Did your parents like, you know, curate the arts around you? Did you grow up like watching TV and movies and going to the theater at all? Yeah, they were so super supportive. They were really, um, and they're, they're, they're real. They love theater. So my, my mom in particular, but, but both of my parents, my father's from Brazil. My mom was born and raised in Philly. Um, and so I think also like culture coming from those two different sort of corners of the world probably was very influential, but they were, my, one of my earliest memories, and I, I talk about this sometimes, um, I actually had to write this in a, a letter to the Sondheim estate when I was begging them to give me the rights to a certain song wow. that is in Which Way to the Stage. <laughs> um, I had to write this like gushing letter in order to get the rights to a piece of Sondheim material. Um, but when I was really young, like five or six years old, my parents taped the PBS great performances production of into the woods, which was the Bernadette Peters, Joanna Gleason, Chip Zion version. And they were like, we really think you would like this. And I was really like five or six years old. I was really young and they in no way shied away from, you know, the more serious second act. They just thought Anna will really like this, even though she is a young child, they were not in any way showing me like, some kind of age appropriate musical. They were really showing me something that they, they thought I would connect to because I would love sort of the fairy tale characters. Yeah. And they were completely right. I became obsessed, obsessed with it. I remember I would build forts in the TV room so that I could like spend the whole day like napping or like, you know, just like playing in front of into the woods. Um, that like VHS worn out over and over again. So I feel like that kind of, that they, they were interested in like giving me material that was interesting, like to a younger person, but, but sort of a little beyond my reach um, was really good parenting. I think about that a lot now with like, me too all of the content that kids watch that is so curated specifically for kids. And I'm like, is that good? <laughs> I, I I grew up seeing like my, I would go to scream at seven, you know, my parents were so cool. And right. I don't think I would be an actor or an artist without that, you know, like, and, and if anything, it like made me more mature. I didn't like, 
you know, like when I did get to watch it, it wasn't like this creepy, like, oh, you know what I mean? It was oh, like, oh, exactly. Yeah. It wasn't an off limits thing. Yeah. It was something that was normal. I mean, the other version of this is also referenced in the play. These, those, this is like the most personal moment in the play is Terminator 2 was like my favorite. Linda movie. Hamilton, man. <laughs> Lick in the face. <laughs> exactly. The face like yeah. of Linda, Linda Hamilton, that disgusting man. Again, in a psych ward. There you go. Romance in the psych ward. Meta. Yeah. Um, I, I was obs- I was also obsessed with that movie, which was, again, not really age appropriate, but in its weird way, is age appropriate. It's it's yeah. kind of a simple tale of a boy and his robot friend trying to save the world with his mom. So I don't know. I I think there's something to be said for for not sort of making kids only watch. I. I like I say the Disney channel, but I don't know, does the Disney channel even exist anymore? And like no shade towards Disney, but it's like, there's, we should, we should push our kids to kind of like have to think a little bit harder maybe, yeah. because I don't know, I think it was hugely beneficial to me and it sounds like it was for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm curious, you know, when you started really getting in and responding to these things, what was the impetus? Was it to, to act, to write, to, to sing yeah. like where where did you start yeah for me I think it was always when I was younger it was always that I wanted to be a musical theater actress I I loved musicals so much and I didn't do anything really I think too out of the ordinary you know I wasn't really trying to be a professional actor when I was younger but I um you know cared about it deeply in school when I was in like middle school and high school. And I went to, um, theater camp. I went to French woods, which is actually where I met Max Jenkins, who was one of the two leads in my play. I met Max when I was probably 14 or 15 years old at theater camp. Um, and I think that was French woods was like a real turning point for me. Um, because it was, it was, I was around people that were equally as obsessed and a lot of people that I still know and I still see in the city, you know, we were kind of like bit by that experience really young. And we've been like chasing the dragon ever since to like try to get back to that sort of summer camp experience we had. But that was the first time I was really around a group of people who were as obsessed as me and cared as much about it and were willing to sort of work their butts off to like, you know, do a really great job in, a, in yeah. a, a, a summer production for children of some show that is wildly inappropriate for their age. I mean, I saw Max play Buddy in Follies when he was like 16 <laughs> years old. So like, you know, he was wonderful. He was as good as a 15 year old or 16 year old can be in, in the part of Buddy and, uh, and not really understanding what all of that's about. But um Yeah, that was like a really life-changing thing for me. And then I went to school for musical theater. So writing was, I went to Boston Conservatory. Wow, Uh, congratulations. Great school. It was a great school and it was a a wonderful experience. And it was, um, again, you're around people who care about it as much as you do. And for me, being completely immersed and like ingratiated in theater was was totally heaven. I mean, it, it doesn't feel like work to me. Um, I have a lot of energy for it, which is, I think the key to like to doing something for 
a job is like, do you have the energy for it? Yeah. No matter what, even when you're tapped out, you know, like when you're exhausted, can you find the energy to do this or is it always a slog? And for me, you know, conservatory can be grueling. You're in class. I went to NYU. You know exactly what it's like. And then if you're in a show at night, so, you know, you're in eight hours of, and then you. That's why Adderall's prescribed. (laughs) No, exactly. It's like what Adderall was made for musical theater majors and like surgeons. I don't know. (laughs) So, um, I, but I loved, I loved all of that. And then, um, did you like Boston? You know, because I know I a lot of musicals, you know, adaptations or, or workshops start there, Chicago or San Diego. Yeah. You know, like when you went there, was there, was it, you know, also like, was there plans to maybe stay there after or was it always to get No, to I always wanted to come to New York. I think being from Philly and having such close proximity growing up, being able to go to New York, that was just like never even remotely a question for me. And my sister I think it already moved there. So I, I just felt really connected to New York. I wanted to go there. And Got I it. loved Boston. We were actually there when the Red Sox won the World Series, which Amazing. is nuts. Like that was an insane moment in Boston sports history to like be. In were you at the game? No, no, no. It was impossible. But like our streets, there were SWAT teams on our streets. I mean, we were in downtown. Oh, Boston. yeah. Because it's just. Yeah. Boston. No. Yeah, you know the accent. You're doing that. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. I have yeah, to do it in yeah, my town. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, to me, Boston is like such a delightful city, but it also feels coming from Philly and living in New York. It feels like, um, like almost a pretend city. It's like very small and the subway looks like it was like drawn for children. (laughs) I don't know. It's just very like, you can walk the whole thing in a day. It's, it's the perfect place to go to college because you, you feel like you're in a city and you're doing grown up things, but it's also, it's not, it's not New York. It's not as overwhelming. It's not Philly, you know? So. I'm, I'm curious, you know, because like you mentioned that you, you, you wanted to go to Boston, not New York, which makes total sense. You know, the classic 99 miles to Philly. Um, So when you, when you were there, did you enjoy the conservatory program? Because it's like, it can be so overwhelming, you know, like, were you having fun? Oh my gosh. I was having so much fun. I mean, I made such wonderful friends. I learned a lot. I actually think I learned more than I realized. You know what I mean? Like while you're doing it, you're kind of like, I don't know, what is this? And then you get out and you realize, you know, you've retained sort of something different than yeah, maybe even what you expected to learn. Um, and, you know, I go back and forth on the, on the training thing. Cause I think, then you get to the city and you you get cast in your first whatever theater experience doing a play or a musical or or if you're on camera for the first time and you feel a little bit like oh my god I, I didn't learn anything at all like i have to learn you know this is brand new i, I you you feel like you have to learn everything from, from entering scratch. that real world gate in the business it is the hardest transition man yeah. it is it's like they they, they need to spend like a senior year of just prepping you for that, you know? A million percent. I mean, if I could go back and like if anyone from Boston Conservatory is listening to this as they should. I mean, they should be listening. Totally. Um, they should 
call me <laughs> because <laughs> I feel like I, I have so many thoughts on, on what these conservatory programs could be yeah. teaching. The first time I was ever cast on a television show. So I was, wait, but before yeah, you tell sorry, me that, I'm really skipping. No, 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 no. It's okay. Sorry. So, so you, I, I'm curious, is there, a, or was there a showcase built into Boston Conservatory? Yes, there was. It, um, there was, which I'm very grateful for. And, and it, it, for me, it completely eased my transition. We had a showcase. I had some interest from a few agents. I got an agent. I was able to start auditioning when I got to New York. For that, mu- musical theater. Mostly for musical theater, but also yeah. for film and TV. And, and um, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. In the conservatory, were you doing straight acting training as well? Yes, so, so while you were there, or was it always an interest to just act as well? You know, because like I, I know mean, certain people, it's just like I just want to do musicals. You know, no, I was never good enough at musicals to think that I could just do mm-hmm. musicals. Yeah, you know, I, I can't I say. Always, so. <laughs> yeah, I always knew that my skill was as an actor, and that the fact that I could sing was a bonus and not, you know, the reason you're buying the ticket in the first place. So I always, I always, I always knew that for me, um, it was also going to be about like diversifying and doing plays. If I was lucky enough and doing film and TV, um, which, you know, you can get really pigeonholed when you went to musical yeah. theater school and I think that they're so brutal. On I mean, I, we had Cap Twenty One at the time, and yeah. I just saw so many people just souls break. You know, yeah, yeah. it's so intense, and people kind of think you're one kind of actor um, because you've got a certain kind of training or because you can sing. And there's something to be said for like lying, like like keeping your singing a secret for a minute, you know, and, and not going to school for musical theater, which sucks because it's such great training, yeah. but um, people definitely look at you in a certain way. It, it took me a minute to break out of that. I got extremely lucky. I was cast in a play. While at, at school? No, no. I think two years out. Or okay. So, so let's uh, just, so I, cause you have, I'm so excited to have you here and I just want People to I know I jump around. No, no, it's okay. I just want people to the whole goal is to have like an understanding of someone's journey so they can totally there's hope, you know. So there's like hope. Yeah, yeah, I got that. <laughs> so so you're enjoying the conservatory tra- three or four years? Four. Four. Okay. So in your final year, you do the showcase. How does it go? It goes really well. I sang Midnight Train to Georgia. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yes, very good. I also sang a song from the musical Baby. I got to sing two songs, which I think was a little unfair, um, but I they said I could, and so I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna say no. And then I got interest from a few like boutique New York agencies. You yeah. start out, but like good, like good ones, like good headline ones. talent, or you know, yeah, one like, of, yeah, yeah. yeah. My first agent was Harden Curtis. Oh, that's a great one to start with. That's, no, I know. Yeah. I know. Like, I, I really, I felt very like, really? I mean, I was terrified because I was like, I'm not going to be able to live up to this. Um, and they, and I just hit the ground kind of running and auditioning. With and the promise that you had to move to New York? 
Totally, totally, yeah. totally. I think I moved to New York almost right away. I think I, you know, we had showcase. I probably went back to Boston and we all graduated. And then I think I moved to the city ASAP wow. um, and started auditioning through the agents. And I... Classic procedurals or right in yeah, the theater. Bo- both. I think okay. my first audition was for Law & Order SVU. In fact, I know it was. And I got a call back, but, oh. I'm here. Don't worry. I just had to refresh it for the focus. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So that I was your first back, audition. I didn't get it for Law & Order SVU. I just did it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've never done a Law & Order. Yeah. Oh, my oh. God. Yeah. Well, it was. Congratulations. You know, for. It, Big deal. It was four sentences, but, you know, hopefully, you know. I've ne- I, I've never said four sentences on a Law & Order. I feel <laughs> For me, it's like a total white whale. The amount no, of times I'm, th- I'm very that grateful. I'm on order. Mm. That, that's amazing. And and yeah. and when you were here, you know, were, were you also right away going in for musicals as well? I was. I totally was. And I think that was that was really intense for me because again, that's where my like my knowledge about myself that I I'm not quite what they're always, I'm I'm not really what they're, I'm an acquired taste as a musical theater actress. You know what I mean? Like, and for the 22 year olds that are just getting out of school, they want you to kind of be really by the book and be able to sort of sing a certain way and be a certain way. And I can kind of pretend to be that person better than most, but at the end of the day, I'm not that person. So so there's a lot of Judy in you. There is a lot of Judy. I mean, yeah, yeah totally. I Judy is, um, yeah, I actually never thought, I, I truly don't even think of myself as Well, you know, it's that classic saying, it's like, you know, writers, we always ultimately end up writing about ourselves. Totally. You know? Yeah. Totally. I think it's really that that the musical theater world wants you to be, it, it's, it's just easier for them if you can just be this like very clean clear type of performer like spring awakening leah michelle yeah i mean that i could yeah never. I, I was already too old we I, we hilarious i like graduated like right at the moment that they were like auditioning for the replacement cast of spring uh, awakening did you go and in of course and i was, How was just, it it was fine it was yeah. I, I never got a call back i was always the oldest one in the audition room and that's intense and i wish i could go back to my i wish if i could go to that version of myself and say anything i would just be like you're fine <laughs> you don't need to follow somebody else's version of how this is going to go you are not too old at 22 you have so many years ahead of you but this industry where people graduate and they immediately go, I knew so many Juilliard group 32 book yeah. girl. Yeah. It's like, and fuck me. Immediately yeah. getting there and yeah. they're immediately ending up in Broadway shows or whatever. You feel like you're so behind before you've even started. Yeah. And I remember feeling that I way. I deal with that. Thing. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sorry to interrupt. I, yeah. That is like, you mentioned this, the, the show deals with this as well, but like, you know, cause I'm 32 and they, yeah. I'm like, I feel like I'm just too old. Like, I feel like uh, That's I'm the fucked. age in the show. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So but it's not real. It's not like the, every career just has such a different 
path. And, and it's so annoying to say that because it sounds kind of like crap, but it sounds like a platitude. But like, I look back at the people who I was like comparing myself to when I first got out of school and I just laugh, just like, first of all, you don't want what they have now, right? Like that, not because it's bad, because it's not for you. And it was yeah. never for you. That's, that's not who you are. Um, and also I'm so much happier with where I am. And it, so that time in your life, when you first graduate from school, if you've chosen, I mean, I, I don't know what the experience is if you made the very wise choice to go to normal school, but if you went to a conservatory and you've really been single-minded and you graduate those first few years out, I think, you know, you have such a distorted view of what normal is in terms yeah. of success and, and what a timeline looks like. And I just remember feeling like it took me so long to get anywhere. And then I look back and I'm like, but Anna, you got that show when you were, you know, you, when you were 24, what's, what did you think was going to happen sooner than that? Right. Yeah. But for me, that like 22 to 24 felt so long, then 24 to 27 felt even longer, you know, all of that time felt so wasted. I felt like I'd never, I, I was always behind and I, what, I wasn't, I was fine. Yeah. I was fine. And, and so you were auditioning for film, TV and musicals. Yes. And like straight theater as well. Okay. Um, and so what were your, some of your first credits like for. Yeah. For my very first job in New York was, uh, they used to, I don't think they, I don't think it exists anymore, but there was this thing called the New York musical theater festival. And it was this, showcase for new I remember musical. when it did exist yeah yeah and uh my first show was that and it was this musical it was a very strange musical again like totally ending up where I should have ended up called the boy in the bathroom which was about a boy who locked himself in the bathroom for like a year of his life or something and it was wow. me and Michael Zoller and Mary Stout it was a very odd three-person chamber musical but it was amazing and and cool and bizarre and exactly the kind of thing I should be doing and then, you know, and it was like, it's like, not, you don't get paid real money to do no, that. But, stipend. You know, but again, right, I, was, yeah. I was 22 years old. Um, and then from that, was it a year later, maybe two years later, someone who was dramaturging on that show was this um, man, Patrick Lillis, who is part of Labyrinth Theater Company. And oh, these were back man. in the days. Totally. When I would scour every audition, like notice that came out and I saw they were doing a play called Knives and Other Sharp Objects and um, that one of the characters, two of the characters were half Mexican, half white, and I'm half Brazilian and half white. And I, I emailed Patrick and I said, I would love to be seen for this. And he got me an audition plus my agents, you know, you have to like kind of play both sides. Yeah. And get everybody pushing to get you in the room. And it was this lab show that was going to be at the public. And I got it. And it was this huge moment for me. It was Raul Castillo wrote it. Who's like now just like killing it as an actor in a million different ways. Felix Solis directed it. It was first wow. time directing. And it was just like, I couldn't believe I booked a job at the public that was yeah. just a play and not a musical. And um, so that was like a very, that was a very big deal for me. And I, 
I feel like when I look back and like that probably did change things. Right. But if nothing skyrockets you the way you think it's going to. So I think I probably felt like nothing happened after that, but of course plenty of things happened. Um, I went on to do some regional shows and then I booked the national tour of in the Heights. And And that that experience was the best. So that was probably the biggest musical I did and even have done, you know, I just like, wasn't getting, doing musicals at that scale. Um, Was that right after it closed on Broadway? It was still running on Broadway. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, And so that was like the biggest thing I'd ever done. And I had never done the tour is like so specific. And I was 25 years old. I loved it so much. I love that show. I will forever love that show. Doing that show is, is really like taking a Zoloft. It is like you are, or better, or it's like Molly. I don't know. It's like, it's such a good time. We would be in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in the middle of a blizzard, in the worst moods, like, and then the show would start. And by the end of the opening number, you were like, Never mind. I feel great. Like you just beautiful. It was so wonderful. I had the best time. Um, And that was a big deal for me, honestly, because I was able to make good money. I was able to make good tour money. I think about it a lot with how much costs are getting cut on tour now and what people it's insane. And And they're not equity sometimes. And it's really problematic. And, and that show afforded me, I wouldn't have the career I have as both a writer and an actor if I hadn't done that show because that show financially afforded me a year once I left the tour of not really having to um, work much of a day job. I would like nanny from time to time, but that saved money allowed me to like really focus intensely on auditioning, keep that energy up. And then also, it freed up my time. So that's when I started writing when I got home. And and, and were you writing prior to this? I wasn't. So wow. I was always someone who loved writing um, so much growing up. But I, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity to teach kids about playwriting or screenwriting. No. In school. Not unless you, you go to grad school, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But growing up, it's, it's essay writing. It's opinion yeah. writing. It's creative writing, like, you know, short stories which is all great. And I always loved those things, but my skill was always in writing dialogue. Like in my short stories, the dialogue would be really good, but like, you don't read a short story for dialogue. Um, yeah. It's so funny that they, I I really feel like you, they should put it a little, if you're going to teach a creative writing course in high school, I think you should include playwriting because also look, you can't really make money as a playwright but you can make money as a screenwriter. Like it's a real, that's a real job. Totally. I mean, there's, <laughs> these, a job there's more crazy. shows now that need writers than ever. Exactly. You know? Yeah. There's, that's more of a real job than writing novels, yeah. you know? So I, it took me so long to kind of find it and feel like it was legitimate. My mother always told me, you're a writer, you're a writer, you're a writer. She's like, you're a great actress. 
but you're a writer. And I always took it like, are you telling me I'm not a good actress? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but she wasn't, she wasn't, but I heard it that way. Cause that's of course how you hear everything as a kid. Um, but she always, she like, you know, from having read stuff that when I was growing up, she was like, this is your, this is actually like a talent you have. Why aren't you going after it? And of course you don't go after it because writing is really hard and it's the scary. It's, it's the hardest. And it, it brings up a lot of ugly feelings and I still, I still deal with that all the time. And, and I had to work this morning on writing something and I was like, wow, I'm really avoiding this, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really doing everything I can possibly. And I was supposed to write like 10 pages and I wrote like two pages. And Hey, you did so, though. Yeah, sure. I did it, but I also, I really had to do it. And so I should have done more, but yeah. So I, I hadn't really written before that, but I knew that I had some sort of skill at it and a desire to do it. Or, you know, I would write like, you know, the first 10 pages of a play and then I would put it in a drawer and I would never yeah. do anything about it. And so I started writing when I was like 25, 26, when I got off of tour and I wrote a screenplay and it was really just the only thing I said to myself is you have to finish this. It doesn't have to be good, but you have to finish it. And that's the advice I give to writers all the time now when they're just starting out. They say, what, what do I do? And I say, you have to finish a draft. Yeah. And I, I don't care if it's bad. In fact, it won't be, it won't be good. Yeah. Um, or it won't be as good as it can be. That's not a thing. So, but you have to finish it. The feelings, uh, just even if it sucks, you're like, I did it, you know? You have to get yeah. to the end yeah. because otherwise it's just going to kind of linger and do this weird thing. And the act of finishing a first script, I think for me, I think it just unlocked something and that I, I realized that one, I could do it and building confidence is important. I think in any thing that you're taking on and two, that um, I enjoyed it. Right. And that like, I, I didn't mind when it got hard. And so then I was writing and I was acting simultaneously. Doing and, like blacklist vampire diaries and yeah. So, credit. Th yeah. so then what everything kind of took a turn. Cause I switched agents after being on tour and I got a manager and, and they were kind of like, why aren't you doing more TV? And I was like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> don't give me the room. Off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, is that an option? So then what ended up happening is the first TV job I ever booked, and this goes back to what I was saying about some of the conservatory training, was a series regular on a pilot. And I had never done anything. I hadn't said two lines on Gossip Girl. I had tried, like I had desperately tried to get those jobs and I couldn't get those jobs. And I booked a pilot for Fox and I went, I mean, talk about a whirlwind. It was just like, you're testing, you're screen testing. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, I didn't know a single thing. They're flying you out. What? To test? What is that? You know, like every, there, there's a car waiting for you outside. Like we're negotiating your deal. All of that stuff that is more old hat now then was just like, I was learning a new language. Um, and then I show up and I get the job and I have never been on a set before. And I don't know what it means to hit your mark. I don't know. I don't know anything. And I was just faking it. And it turned out just fine because I, you know, I'm a trained actor, so I'm not yeah. going to just totally screw it up. But 
I'm like, why aren't they teaching this at these schools? Like, why aren't they doing, and not, not TV auditioning. I mean like TV set work, like what it is to get your coverage and what, like all of that stuff, the different lenses, like we should know all of it and they don't teach anything. It's so, So, I I totally agree. Yeah. I don't know if some of them do. I feel like I remember what you did by the time I, but it was like just getting started, you know? Right. It's like new. Yeah. It's a yeah. new thing versus yeah. like, why aren't we always doing this? So that pilot didn't go, um, but it was an incredible experience. And, and I you hope you made some money. And I made some money. So then yeah. it was like this thing of like, I would get this kind of a big job that would then allow me to, um, live off of that for a little bit, you know, so that I could really focus on acting, even though like not enough money to really live for very long, it's better than whatever I was working with before. Um, If you book a pilot, this is my advice for the world. Don't totally quit your day job though. (laughs) So true. Don't Don't buy the Tesla. Don't 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 do any of that. They tell you that. And in the moment you think, yeah, but I'm going to be different, but you're not, you're not going to be different. (laughs) It's not going to happen. It takes a while to like build up, you know, the finances that you can start actually living like a normal person. Do not try to keep up with your friends who have normal jobs just because you book. I know. (laughs) <laughs> oh god, that's a. I, I I'm I'm curious. Were you while this was happening? Were different early drafts of which way to the stage happening? No. So which way to the stage came much later. So I the first play that I wrote after that screenplay was a play called Whatever She Wants, which okay. I don't ever need anyone to see. <laughs> but it was you know, it was my first play, and that's it. It, it feels like a first play, and that's fine. Um, and you but, finished it. And I finished it. Um, but the draft of that play got me into um, Youngblood at Ensemble Studio Theater, which is a writer's group, which I really applied to on a whim. And um, they kick you out when you turn 30. And I applied when I was 29. Uh-huh. And they, I got into the group and I think that I mark that as like probably, you know, you like have these things. Like when I, when I was able to go on tour within the Heights, I was able to like get that kind of a job that allowed me to make enough money that I could chill for a minute. And when I got into young blood, that's when I actually learned how to write and became a writer because I was in this writer's group with all of these people that had first of all been in it since they were like 22 wow. and also people who knew definitively that they wanted to be playwrights and screenwriters, which to me was almost mind boggling. You know, all I ever wanted to really be was an actress. And, um, and the fact that I was allowed in the room with these people and that I was like chosen to be in the room with them and to work on things was. Did you submit materials to so get it? I submitted this play, whatever she wants, that no one ever needs to see. And um, I submitted the first bits of a play called Empathitrax. Okay. Which um, is a play that I worked on in my year in Youngblood. And then the following year, they 
gave it a workshop production. And then a year after that, Cult Core did an off-Broadway production. Okay. So that year of working on Empathitrax in Youngblood and having readings of it and getting feedback from other writers, that is the play that I would say turned me into a writer because it became my sample. It's in terms of like screenwriting, it was like sent out in screenwriting land. And that get you a literary agent. It got me a lit agent. Um, And it's gotten me a ton of, it got me a ton of screenwriting jobs. And and a Um, development deal, right? And a development deal. Yeah. Yeah. So that was invaluable that time in Youngblood. Um, and it, it didn't in the, at the time it, it does, felt, does it still exist for those listeners? Oh yeah. It's the best. Okay. Everyone should apply to young blood. Um, everyone under 30 should apply to young blood. Uh, I'm 32. I'm like, I know, I I'm know really what I'm sorry. doing. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I'm so sorry. When they yeah. kicked me out, when they were going to kick me out when I was 30 and they did, I was like, you're not really going to though. Like I've only been here for a year and they're like, we know it sucks. And I was like, wait, you're really kicking me out oh of the group? Oh, my God. Like, yeah, that's the rule. I was like, this is so dark, as if turning 30 didn't feel intense enough. I, I was like, know. pushed out of something that I had only just started doing. Um, so, yeah, that was, like, very much life-changing. And I think, for me, it was necessary because I was at a time when I was really struggling, like in the time between like booking my first pilot and that, which was probably four years and working more in TV. I think I was really struggling with the, with just being an actor. It, I was so hard for whatever reason, struggling way more with the rejection. I had a series of just like horrible, <laughs> horrible rejections. Um, I was on a television series and they essentially like fired me. Like I was on the Michael J. Fox show and they didn't know. I mean, this is a longer story that we won't get into, but they basically, it was basically like, they never knew what to do with my character. Even when I booked the pilot, they almost didn't cast me. In fact, they didn't cast me. They were like, I screen tested, you're not getting this job. And then they were like, wait, never mind. Yes, you are. So it was always kind of like an afterthought to put me on the show. They almost didn't pick up my contract when we went to series, but then they did. So I was like always hanging on by a thread. Oh, it's a horrible way to live. It was horrible. It was a horrible way to live. It's like all your worst fears as an actor. And then one day they were like, yeah, the network is coming down on us for money and we are getting rid of your character. (laughs) And I... No, I mean, at this point, it was almost a decade ago, you know, and, um, but it was so intense and I was just like, I kind of don't know if I can live like this anymore. You know, I don't know if I can like have this little amount of control. And so then writing became my way to kind of control things a little bit more. And if it does anything for my relationship to acting, it just makes it healthier yeah. for me. And, acting and is, better, you know, you understand text yeah. and how to, well, yeah. And, yeah. You know, I mean, that's, but it's such a joy for me to act now. It's just a joy because I don't rely on it exclusively. Um, 
Whereas before I felt so, I was gripping so hard. It had to work and it had to work perfectly and it had to work, you know, exactly a certain way. The guest star to the reoccurring to, you know, I know it, the formulaic, like it's going to work this way. Yeah. And I was comparing myself to so many people and, oh, that You're preaching to the choir right now. Oh, yeah, man, I need that to hear person yeah. got that job when yeah. they were younger than me and that, but, you know, all of this stuff. And I, it was just a really crappy way to live. Yeah. And I. What got you through it? Honestly, becoming a writer. Yeah. Becoming a writer got me through it. And I, I. Part of that is, is financial. And I just, I don't think, I mean, this is part of the play. Like, I don't think you can talk about being an artist and not talk about finances. And that's, At all. that's been true for hundreds of years. Like the, the, since like there were patrons, like taking yeah. care of artists, like it is a crucial part of it that you find a way to make money. I have a very good friend who works in real estate. It's also in the play. And he, kind of had all these in like almost successes. And then they similar to like me, like, Oh, and then you get fired from something or this. And it just all kind of feels like crap. And he just like went really hard into his real estate life. And he just started making some real money. And then he came back to directing and to writing and his relationship with completely changed because he had found a way to be financially comfortable. Yeah. You know, you kind of like become your own rich parents. <laughs> yeah. oh. And and like you have to kind of become your own patron sometimes because relying on this these jobs to like completely keep you afloat is I, I don't know. It, you, it really is. Set a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a setup for failure. It just is. It, exactly. You're yeah. setting yourself up yeah. to fail and you're trying to take a shot in the dark. And yeah. so I just feel like for me that um, two things happened when I started writing. One, which is that I, three things happened. I fell in love with writing and it's completely for me, its own thing that I adore. Two, I was able to take some of the financial pressure off of acting yeah. and therefore like, enjoy acting more and like really just do things that I liked more say no to things I didn't want to do. And then three, I actually feel like I became myself for the first time. And I wasn't myself as an artist for the first time. And I don't know anyone else like me, just like, I don't know anyone else like the four actors in my play who I think are brilliant. Um, unique is an overused word, but like, if you can carve out your unique place in this business, you're just going to be much happier. And if you're looking sideways and trying to do what somebody else is doing or follow their path completely, which kind of seems like what they tell you to do when you're younger. It's yeah. And it's such bad advice. They always tell you that in school, like look for someone who has a career that's similar to what you could do. And like, they ask you, who do you see yourself's career having? Yeah. It's so bad. It's so detrimental. It's so dangerous because the ants, I wouldn't change anything about my life. And my answer is no one. I don't know anyone who does what I do, um, who writes like genre movies and then like weird plays about musicals. And then is in a show about the opioid crisis. Like (laughs) these are not, these things are not connected, but they are, they're, they're connected through me. So you manifested it. 
yeah. by, take, by taking the power. Also, I want to double check. How are you for time? Because I know you have a hard I out. Know. I probably have to go in like 15 minutes. Um, so what's well, yeah. About something else. Oh, I was going to say, like, uh, what's your schedule like tomorrow? Because I would love to. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You want to do that? I would love that. Okay. So what we're going to say, this is just half right here. And then I can literally make any time happen tomorrow. Danielle. Okay. Uh, sorry. Let me. Yeah. Just finish. Yeah. So let's. Let this me is know. Be part, part one, guys. Great. And, and we're going to pick this up tomorrow. Anna, here we are for the continuation because I know yesterday we didn't get enough time. So good morning and thank you for coming back. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. I'm a little morning puffy, but you know, it's a podcast. Uh, hey, <laughs> me too, you know, but uh, so I am so excited, you know, because like, you, you're, I, you know, for the viewers listening, you know, you're in the final weekend of your play yeah. and we were just really getting in. We were talking about young blood and, and yeah. the writer's workshop. So Let's jump into which way to the stage and when that like got started writing. Cause you were talking about the other two plays that you wrote. So when did this begin? So, so you I got kicked out of young blood. I got you had, kicked you out of young blood plays old. underneath you. And yes. what happened? And then I was sort of writing um, more professionally screenwriting and, and sort of being able to make in, a that in rooms, way. not in rooms, mostly okay. features. I mostly work, um, doing features. So that's, it's like closer to playwriting, honestly, because I, I get to um, work by myself, which yeah. I is nice. And I like, um, I like being social as an actor. And then I like being kind of private as a playwright and a writer. And, um, and I had gotten a commission from South Coast Rep um, in California based on my other play Empathitrax, this Elizabeth George commission. And um you know, I just kind of felt like, oh, I have to fulfill it. Like, I, I don't know what I feel like writing. And I had some ideas that were, I would say, a bit more run of the mill than which way to the stage. Um, and then I was out at brunch with some friends. I've told this story a few times. One of them happens to be the lead in my play, Sass Goldberg. The other is our friend Jake Wilson. And we were out at brunch and we were talking about Adina Menzel, the actress. Yeah. Um, Adele Dazim, you mean? <laughs> oh, sure. Adele Dazim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also checked in the show. Yeah. Um, and um, and stage dooring in general. And Oh, you were doing that? Oh, no, no, no. I wasn't stage dooring. We were chatting. Oh, got it. Okay. I was like, yeah. I didn't know if that was some nostalgic thing you did when you first no. got here. Okay, okay. No, definitely not. The, so the, wait, for the viewers, can, yes. can you explain what stage dooring means? Yeah, so yeah. which made the stage, the play takes yeah. place not entirely, but a, a large majority of it takes place outside of the stage door of the Richard Rogers theater, the, yeah. the Broadway theater and stage dooring is when people fans who've either seen the show that night or who are just fans. Often with, who, who, who haven't seen like that yeah. night they're, they, they get there real early. Cause I bartend on Broadway at the oh. Rogers of one of them is one of our theaters. Oh my God. So like, I'm there at my call time, which like for, you know, I don't know, a Saturday show would be 6.30 and they're already there. You know, it's crazy. Because that's for Hamilton. So that's yeah. right Hamilton. So that's but like it's not even the original cast, you know, so it's just it, it, I'm impressed with the the tenacity. Me too. I'm impressed yeah. with the tenacity. So they they go and they wait for the, by the stage door and they can sometimes wait for the entire show until the actors come out at the end, you kind of have to go through the stage door to leave and sign autographs. Or sometimes 
people don't. Sometimes people aren't feeling well. Sometimes people just come out and wave and don't want to do anything. But a lot of times people come out and they go and they sign autographs down the line. Yeah. It's very intense. I've never done it in my life. <laughs> I've never staged doored. I don't have any playbills with any autographs. I've done, a- I did, I'm embarrassed to admit I did it twice when I got here at 18, freshman that, year, NYU. Spring Awakening original cast. So it was like, I, I did do it. I think that's a really good one. I mean, I yeah. definitely waited in line to see Spring Awakening, right? Yeah. Like, I, I definitely did other embarrassing things to see Spring Awakening. I was with my parents too. And I was like, I I, I don't know. I was like, yes. a giddy, yeah. Yeah, of yeah. course. I mean, yeah. I, I just can't bring myself to do it because I worry that the actors are tired. Like that's all I can say. I would ne- ever since then, you know, that yeah. was that was once 14 you, years ago, you know. Once you've done eight shows a week yourself, you're like the fat the thought that I'm demanding somebody <laughs> come outside and like talk with me after, yeah. you know, after they've like worked really in, in a musical like if then, which is where which way the stage takes place. It's a two and a half hour show. Like they're probably getting there an hour before. If they didn't have a matinee on a Wednesday, Saturday, you know. Exactly. And I'm just like, let these people get in their car and go home and rest. But nonetheless, people wait. They stage door. They're wonderful fans. Um, They care deeply about these performers. And so, which we were talking about stage dooring at this brunch. And we're talking about Adina Menzel. And then we were sort of talking about gender and we we were just chatting. Yeah. And suddenly I saw this play. Like I just saw it. I saw Jeff and Judy, these two characters waiting for Adina Menzel. I saw the first scene and what the first scene would be and how the first scene would end. And then it would end with like a slight infraction on, on the part of Judy on this friendship. And then, and I was like, guys, I see this play. And my friends were like, okay, like, what are you talking about? And it was such I, a- You have the, the, the like shaman like vision. I know what it's like to- Yeah. yeah. All writers have it when they yeah. have an idea that's a good idea or yeah. good. And, and a good idea is just an idea that you're going to be able to fulfill upon. It's not right. like- it's It writes okay. itself. It's like, oh exactly. man. Exactly. Yeah. When it writes itself, that's yeah. what a good idea I think is. Yeah. And um, so- I went home and I had this commission and I was like, I'm not going to touch this idea for a while because it's a little weird. Um, and then I waited and I waited and I waited. And then it was time for me to like speak with the theater and give them my ideas for the plays for the play that I was going to write. And I gave them a bunch of ideas. And at the last minute I said this one Yeah. and they were like, they could have been like, no. And they were like, that's kind of interesting. And I was like, okay. And I was like, I weirdly think that's the one I'm going to do. And so about six months after having that idea at brunch, I just dove into the play and um, I wrote the first draft rather quickly, which is normally how I work, especially with plays is I, I wait a minute to start writing them. And then um People always say, like, write as soon as you have an idea. And I think that's really bad advice. Um, I think you should wait. I think Flush you should, it out in your head. Yeah, yeah. Let it kind of, let it marinate a little bit. Let your unconscious mind do a little bit of work for you. Um, like, don't wait years to start writing, but, like, don't ruin it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like, let it, let it sit, let it chill. And and then when I, whenever I do that, whenever I follow my own advice and do that, I end up 
writing the actual play really quickly. And so I probably wrote the first draft of that play in um, three, four weeks, which, you know, and it was mostly that play fully realized. I mean, there was one scene that wasn't in it and, um, but the rest of it was like the general flow of the play. Um, And what happens is really what always happens with writing, which is that you think you're writing about one thing. And then you realize that you're really, you were really writing about something else, that there was something else sort of meaningful to you buried in this kernel of an idea. Um, And I was lucky enough that like South Coast Rep, I sent it to them and they were like, great, let's do a workshop of this. And um, that's one of the benefits of having a a commission is simply that like, they kind of have to read it. (laughs) So like, you know, they had to kind of engage with it in some way, but I was lucky that they wanted to engage with it and give it like a workshop. And um, they wanted to do it at their Pacific Playwrights Festival. I started doing readings with my friends at my agent's office at, you know, just wherever I could get people to kind of hear it out loud. And then I made tweaks and then my agents and South coast rep both said, um, there's one person that should direct this and it's Mike Donahue. And I didn't know Mike. And I was like, okay, well, if he's the only person, then you have to get me a meeting with him because now I'm stressed that he's not going to want to do it. And I had a meeting with Mike and I just, immediately adored him and um we just he totally got the play we totally hit it off he totally got what I was after with it and he also said at the meeting hilariously um you know I don't know if you thought about casting at all yet but there's this actor Max Jenkins, who I no think way. really good. And I was like, I wrote the part for Max Jenkins. I like secretly wrote the part thinking of Max Jenkins because we yeah. had a summer camp together and and me and Max. And As Max you were writing, were you like writing to your relationship with Max or? No. Not, yeah, okay. No, I was writing. I, in terms of the relationship with Jeff and Judy, I was right. There's, I have a very close friend, my friend, Will Blum, who is a Broadway actor. He's in Beetlejuice on Broadway. And we went to college together and that closeness and some of that banter is very much me and, and, and Will, but at the same time, like the, the, I guess arguments between Jeff and Judy are very much not between me and Will. Like okay. that is definitely not um, a mess that we've gotten into. Yeah. Um, and so it was like Jeff is like Will, and then he's also Max, and then he's also my friend Jake, who I was at brunch with with Sass that night. You know, it's so many different people who I Got really, it. really love. Um, but Max. And Sass and I were on a group text for the whole time I was writing the play. And I, I didn't tell them I was writing the play. And I certainly didn't tell them I was writing the play for them. Because oh, so you were writing for Sass as well? Yes, a million percent. But oh. I I full I couldn't tell. You can't tell actors that. No, yeah. I mean, I'm an actor and like if don't if I, someone's writing me a play, don't tell me. Cause then you'll you you get attached to it and you totally. start grabbing. And, and you didn't have any ambition in, in playing Judy yourself? No, never. Okay. okay. Never. I, um, no, I, I would probably have a different career if I like had true ambitions for, to write for myself and I'll probably do it eventually. Yeah. But the truth is that 
I feel like when people do that, they're gaining one thing, which is, you know, they're making themselves the star of their show and that's awesome. That does great things for their career. And, and they're making sure that that role is played the way that they exactly the way that they want it to be played. And there's benefits to that. But I also feel like they are missing something that is so singular and wonderful as an artist and as a writer, which is to see people turn your work into something that you never thought it could be. And if I was to play Judy, I would play it exactly the way I always imagined it would be played. Every joke would be the way that it was when I wrote it in my head, right? And when I see Sass play Judy, I am simultaneously like, yes, that's exactly what I thought. She's doing exactly what I needed her to do. I'm so grateful. She's not like she totally gets what I was after and she's bringing something else to it that is teaching me about the thing that I wrote. Wow. And that, that's, that's going to be the clip for this interview, right? Yeah. There. That was amazing. <laughs> so, I appreciate the perspective so much. That was yeah, incredible. Yeah. It's such a gift. And I, yeah. I just love actors. Like, I love what actors, I love their creativity. I, I went to see the show last night and they were finding things that were so new, but without straying, you know what I mean? Like some, sometimes you find an actor who likes to just do a bunch of nonsense and you're like, yeah. oh, no, 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 no. you have to, you have to do the same show every night. Like yeah. you set the show, you got to do the show. And when you have really great actors, they can essentially do the same show every night, but they can find these itty bitty little shifts that deepen it or complicate it. And they can really play within really strict confines. And that's what these four actors can do. And for me, like, that's just such a gift. And so I never thought about playing Judy myself. And I, I just always wanted to see what somebody else could do and, I'm sitting here on this group text at this time with Sass and Max and the banter is just so specific. And I'm like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, if it would, if, if I could get them to do it, this could probably be amazing. And the first time I got them together was at South coast. Cause at the time Max was living in Los Angeles and Sass wow. was in New York. So I wasn't able to, for these like little tiny readings, I wasn't really able to bring them together. I had a bunch of other incredible actors helping me out, but I needed to hear these two people do it who I'd like always had in my brain. Wow. And so we did this workshop at South coast rep at the Pacific playwrights festival. And, um, it was just fantastic. It was a wonderful experience. We got to do it for, we workshop, we, we rehearsed for about a week, you know, it was like a music stand rehearsal, a music stand performance, but we got to do like five different shows. So we had like five audiences, which is amazing to really learn about the play and the comedy and how much of it works. And um, yeah. And then after that, Mike was like, I think we should take this directly to MCC. I think this is right up their alley. And so we did a reading in New York with MCC and they said they wanted to do it like like really a couple weeks later. No way. And 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 there was no changes really? From well, there's been major changes from Got that it. to this, but from South Coast to that reading, they were it, that we basically did that one. And then MCC had some thoughts. We did another workshop at MCC, a play lab again in front of a big audience. To the public or no? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we like had a a it was like a free reading. We filled if, up. If you don't mind me asking, when? How long ago was that? 
that was in the fall. Well, this all the all dates now have like carry a certain like oh to them, but that was in the fall of 2019. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So that was I think that was, was exactly what I was asking. Was that like during pandemic, pre pandemic? Yeah, no, oh, yeah. it was pre pandemic. So it was okay. the fall of 2019, and um, and they were like, "Great, we're going to do this," and we they started you know planning and programming it and when it was going to be done, and I believe it was going to be the following fall. So it was going to be the fall of 2020 originally. What a time. (laughs) Oh man. And then we just. So that March of 2020, I'm sure you got the call that. Oh yeah. It was just like, no one knew what was going on, but you, I mean, we had no idea what was happening. We fully felt like, okay. In the fall theater is going to be back. Like it's going to be closed for the summer, which was hilarious so that's ten, what we did. 10 months right it, it, oh yeah i mean yeah. it was closed i think it was closed more than 10 months i think yeah. the first thing to come back no it was six it was it was march 2020 to september uh 2021 yeah yeah it was really we're not even in a year back we're not even in a year back. no well, not even close yeah, yeah. so um you know, so many things changed during those two years that like that or that year and a half. And I just, the whole time I was just like, don't touch my play. Like you can take away this for me and you can take away this and, you know, this acting job I was supposed to do, that's fine. I'll let go of that. And this, you know, like all of that stuff, because everyone had lost it. Everyone had real losses during the pandemic. And then everyone had career losses during the pandemic in one way or another. And, and I just was like, please don't touch my play. Just like, let my play happen. Let this be the thing that is protected. And MCC just kept it on the roster. And I'm so, so they were, they they were like, we're going to do it. Don't worry. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And, um, yeah, it was just a great, it, we we felt very, very, very lucky when they were suddenly like, yeah, okay, so now it's programmed. We were like, oh my God. When did that moment happen? I'm sorry, I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to help viewers understand. Oh, I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I can't even remember. It was like always like, you know, passing the ball a little bit. Like, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're gonna September do it. 2021, Broadway comes back. Was it around then? What was last year exactly at this time? So last year, no, it was before that it, because I have this thing I highly recommend. My friend Kiara told me to get it. It's a five-year journal and um, you every night it has like, I don't know how we can describe this. It's like each page is like five lines, five times. So like 25 lines and you put in the date at the top. So like every date on that page is going to be like May 22nd. And it's going to be May 22nd, 2021 below it is 2022 below it is 2023. Right. So you write every night, like five sentences about what your day was. I appreciate the brevity of that. Cause I was like, there's no way I could, you know, do it. Yes. Oh no, exactly. It's not a true journal. It's literally just like what happened today very simply. But then what ends up happening is you open a page and you read what happened and then you can just go directly above it and see what happened the year before. So every night before bed, I do that. And I like, I can see, oh my gosh, I say to my husband, like last year we were blah, blah, blah. And so I do know that I think it was either yesterday or the day before (laughs) last year, MCC announced 
their, their upcoming season. So it was late May of, um, 2021 that they said you guys are officially coming and um yeah and that was a really 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 good feeling it was a really good feeling and I don't think and you still had the actors attached at that point had the actors attached and I don't think we we got pushed again I think we essentially got to keep the dates that we thought we were going to have um once we were announced which is amazing because so wonderful we got we got the announcement. And we were like, "This could change again," but it didn't. It didn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And 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 then talk about. So when did you guys? You started in May. You know, we're in June now. Mm-hmm. When did you guys start getting it on its feet, rehearsing and like? You started sent- in, yeah, we started rehearsal March fourteenth of this past year. So we rehearsed probably for four or five weeks, and then we went into previews or tech, I guess, in April. And then we were in previews for a while. We were in three weeks of previews, which is is long for um, off Broadway. It's for Broadway. It's like I don't know, four to six yeah. weeks. Yeah. But for off Broadway, it's three. Three, but three is kind of long. MCC does a one week longer, I think, than most places. And um, yeah, yeah. Wow. And uh, it was it was. I, I I can actually say definitively that artistically, I think it was maybe the best experience of my career. That's incredible. Yeah. Which I constantly have to keep remind, like tell myself it's happening right now. Like this is a delight. This, this wonderful thing is happening right now. And it took you however many years to have an experience that like, is this artistically fulfilling? So it really might take another, you know, 15 years before you have another one. So, and that's okay. And it's just appreciate what this is. And it's really just that everyone was firing on all cylinders. Like, yeah, it's so good. These actors are so phenomenal and our director is such a gift. And then we have this choreographer who's really like our drag teacher, mother coordinator, Paul McGill, who taught these two actors, Sass and Max, how to do drag, which they had never done before. And Paul is so incredibly creative and brought those, those sections of the play to life. And then we had this design team who I just also completely yeah, adored. Sure. Cause that final moment, you're like, holy shit. That's right. why, that's why without, I don't want to say, it, but that's why it was set up that way. You know, exactly. that's yeah. why we're just like, in yeah. Weird. I was like, exactly. what, what, a, what a weird setup. <laughs> exactly. And then it's yeah. like, oh, that's what's going on. Yeah. And you're also like, oh, right. That's why I like musicals. And that's why I go to the theater. And that's, you know, so because this is just so exciting. That totally. final moment is so exciting. So, um, yeah, I I can't really ask for anything. And I, I don't know when else that happens, that you feel like the people in the room there's just not a bad egg and there's not someone who you're like, Oh, I wish I could have, you know, that's fine. But I wish I could have replaced that. person. No, never, never, never in this room. So the whole process and the whole experience was just, um, it was, it was worth waiting for. It was worth waiting those Love to hear that. that two years or whatever for it was two years. Yeah. It was worth waiting two years for, um, because we closed down in March, 2020 yeah. and we came back in March, 2022. 
And, and, and were you involved in every preview? Like, were you, did it change at all from when it It totally changed? Well, I did a bunch of rewrites during rehearsal. Okay. But the plot doesn't change. It's just about clarifying the dialogue and the dialogue and making sure that what I'm trying to say is clear. Um, And then during previews, the changes were mostly cuts. We just cut, we cut 10 minutes off the show. Wow, that's not easy to do. I know. Yeah. We cut 10 minutes off the show. and The MCC mandated it or? We all felt it. We were all like, this has to fly. You know, this has to feel, nothing can be extraneous. And so, um, because it's a comedy, you know what I mean? It's a comedy with no intermission. And 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 talk to me about that decision. Was that something you wanted to be sure of? Can you, can you expound upon why? Yeah. I mean, I generally, if I can avoid an intermission, I'll avoid an intermission. I don't think, I think to earn an intermission, you really need to have a certain kind of epic show. And I think this play is not that this is a simple comedy about four people. Like I have no idea what could happen right before an intermission that would really feel dramatic enough that you're going to bring the audience back on their toes, you know, cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like a big epic play, like, you know, like Oslo, where like yeah. talking about Israeli Palestinian conflict. Like it's not, we're talking about people that stage short musicals. This should be, this is this should be under two hours. So um yeah, I also love not giving the audience time to think in general, in terms of anything, transitions. Or talk, because that's a thing too, you know? Yeah, I don't want to go outside and have ideas. Yeah. Like I want them to be stuck in the theater and be forced to kind of, I want to put them on a train, a high-speed train and take them to a destination. And I think it's a lot easier to land something if you've, if you haven't made them take some kind of break. Um, so I was like, we cannot have an intermission and this has to move. Um, so I think before the play runs a little under, it runs an hour 45 now, which is like, to me, like just where you yeah. get, a, what, get away with no intermission. And it was like one fifty-five before we cut 10 minutes just by cleaning up transitions, cleaning up like pauses and cleaning up dialogue, but we yeah. never had to. And like, you have actors moving pieces. I love that. You know, I know yeah. well, yes. the off-Broadway, um, just the budgets. Yeah. There was no budget for automation. And we were like, you know what? This is a play about scrappy actors. So we're going to Yeah, it shows they want to be there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they're not above it. No, no, they're not above yeah. it. They're the yeah. best group of people in the world. This is like an egoless bunch. Um, did Adina Mazel, Adele, does, I'm messing up. Did I know Adina, the worst. Did she come? So... Or does she know about it? You know, she totally knows about it. She is the sweetest. She sent us flowers on opening night and a card. And she was supposed to come two Tuesdays ago. And we had to cancel the show because of COVID. And she lives in Los Angeles. So she had flown out for it. No way. I'm so sorry. Mortifying. And, um, and she like sent us a video, like I'm trying to see your show, like, but I have to go home. And it's a little waiting for Guffman that we're all just like waiting for Adina to show up. It's also very much the play, just like waiting for this woman. It's so on par. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, 
So maybe, you know, maybe she'll fly in for, for 24 hours in the next few days. I hope so. I'm going to have to hit her up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Send her a text. Yeah. That's it. Oh, wow. And how's the ride been? Cause it is, I, I wish I had gotten to see it so much sooner because oh. I was taking care of my mom. So I'm sorry, you know. But Don't even think about it. No, yeah, no, no. I'm so it, glad you get to see it at all. Yeah. It's, in, I mean, there's got it. There must be another life after this. I know. Well, we're, you know, we're lucky because um, we, I have a regional production already set up at the Signature Theater in DC that's going to be next year. And that's, but that's a different production, right? Like it's a different director, it's a different cast, okay. but still that's wonderful for me because it means the play kind of lives on and the Signature is in DC is Can such people a purchase place. the play yet or no? Not yet, but they, okay. they will be able to. I do think we're going to license it and we're going to put it out. And, yeah. um, and then more people around the country will be able to do it. Um, I would love for this particular production to have another life. I, you know? I want it so bad. Like, please, yeah. let's make it happen right let's now. Make, I know. What do we do? Yeah. I, you know, I think that it's possible. I think we've gotten such incredible feedback and such amazing word of mouth. And we have people that are coming to see the show. In, in, industry mm-hmm. people? Industry people are coming yeah. to see the show. Yeah. But also we have like fans that are coming to see the show two, three, four times. I met a great couple that my dad was like, he was talking to, you know, a gay couple that were like, it was yeah. our second time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love hearing that. So, you know, we have, we have some like people that really care about it and, you know, it's tricky losing a little Any bit of stage doors. Well, yes, but you can't really stage her anymore now because of COVID. But we definitely yeah. have people waiting out front and trying to get autographs from the cast. And yeah, we definitely have that. That must be so funny then to like do that and come out and, and be of the course. person. I think, all, yeah. I think there's a couple because um, there's like like fake playbills now. Everything's different. And oh, we've all kind of that. signed something. No, you just get like a sheet. Yeah. But not oh, like the, a- the paper that I got. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Not like a true playbill, you know, with like headshots on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we definitely have, we have some fans and, and I think the cast definitely has people that are totally fanning over them because they're just, they're so fantastic. So I have hope and faith that it's, it's not going to be the end of the road for this particular production. Me too. But yeah. And my dad. <laughs> and your dad. Yeah. 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 I mean, getting a dad to love it is like the best thing I've ever heard. I, I, and he was like, he, during the middle, he was like, this is amazing. And I, I loved hearing it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Makes me so happy. Yeah. Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. That's, that's the goal is to get, it's not just for, you know, stage doors. It's also for dads. And he's like a, a raised Catholic school dad. So he, he, you know what I mean? Like. Right. So, this isn't his, this isn't necessarily his no, bag. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 I'm so, so proud of you. And oh, for, so for the people listening, you know, yeah. because this is going to come out in a couple of days and yeah. unfortunately we'll have closed. How can we get people to help? Oh my gosh. How can we get people to help? I don't know. Call your congressman. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> no, call your congressman about other things. Don't call your congressman about this. Um, there's plenty of other things to deal with. I think if you're in the industry, just like, you know, see if you can get your hands on a copy of the play and send it around. I I, I can always send around the play, you know, yeah. I can always. And so if you're, if you're an industry individual and you, this is intriguing to you, you know, ask around and you will easily 
get in touch with me. I'm sure I'm not really hard to find. You can and if you're a producer there. and if you're a producer, I mean, or you have a trust fund, you know, and you're trying to make some money or both. Yeah. You know? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Which is often the case. Which is usually <laughs> how it works. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Just, just, you know, that's, that's all I, I can ask for is to make the play, you know, the beauty of it is it exists in this document form and, we can get it out to as many people as possible. And we are willing to sort of keep trucking along with this thing and do readings of it. If people are like, Oh, maybe we can move it. Maybe we could do a longer run in New York. Maybe we could do whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if people are intrigued by this or if they've seen it and then, you know, help us. This has been incredible, Anna. You're amazing. And, and this is a blast. Uh, please, like whatever you write next, anything from Pizza Boy number seven to moderately attractive bro number one. I Let me audition for you. I, I'll, I'll audition. I'll prove it. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, like I I'm not going to be judged for Pizza Boy. Uh, well, <laughs> That's <you know>. an offer. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever, you know. But uh, speaking of that, you know, what, what you're doing, Hightown right now, which will be mm-hmm. out and, and come back for that. But what is next for you? I just kind of nailed the acting thing, but what's yeah. next for you writing wise? Well, I, I have this kind of crazy job. I work for, um, for uh, it's a crazy job that I can't even talk about. It's like I have state secrets or something, but I have an overall deal at, at DC. <laughs> I have an overall yeah. at, at DC. So like superheroes. So, like yeah, yeah. Books. so I work for them and I like write superhero is that weird for you? Because like, it's, is that your? Is like, that my you, bag? Or, yeah, like, you, did you I, read graphic novels or? No, so I definitely didn't grow up reading comic books, but I did grow up loving superhero movies. So I love like the con. I love the medium of superhero movies, which is maybe surprising to people considering the content of my play, yeah. which is about musical theater and drag queens. Um, but I really do. I think I like things that are, I like genre. I like things that are like slightly heightened. And so, um, you know, superheroes fit into that category, but I definitely, so there was some knowledge that I really came to the table with already, just because I was a fan of that kind, those kinds of movies. And I love action movies. Yeah. Um, like we mentioned Terminator two and my love of Linda Hamilton. So that's definitely real. Get, Get her to play Superwoman. I mean, I, what would I, I would give anything to see if we get Linda Hamilton in a DC? Yeah, movie. oh god, that'd I be haven't amazing. even pitched that to them. I should, I should. Yeah. Um, wow, now I'm having thoughts. Okay, anyway, <laughs> uh, so, see, I um, think she's available. So I think she's yeah, available. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I that the work the research I had to do was really just in the, in the comic book vein and read like eight gajillion comic books I when I imagine. when I got the job. Um, which is intense. And, and you, it's, I definitely had to like become an expert in something. Yeah. It's, um, it's a vernacular. You got to familiarize yourself. Yeah. And really the, that talk about a crazy, talk about a crazy fan base. I mean, talk about oh, yeah. like stage doors have nothing on Comic-Con. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. So, and, and you've been going? No, no. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, but it's that it's still, you have to like, you have to both give those people what they want and also, yeah say like okay but we have to also we have to write a good movie we can't just yeah, like like joker was my favorite dc thing i was yeah. like wow it's it's got you know a heritage of the but it is it is a piece of art you yes. know 
Yes. So I, I mean, I, I also just loved the Batman so much. I, I love when. People, oh yeah, that was great too. Yeah. Yeah, and it's that same kind of deal of like, we're gonna tell this story our own way, um, and trust the filmmaker, which I think DC does a really fantastic job of. Yeah, they do. Um, so. Yeah, I, I, that's what I do. And I'm under that overall for the rest of the year. And, um, it's actually been a fantastic working environment. I, the people I work for, the people that run DC are like really actually care about the writers and the artists and they're not. It's do you know really John not, Polono? No. Oh, he's a, he's a, he's a writer who just did something for, so he's a friend. I don't know. He's a playwright as well and an actor. So, um, I wonder if I've seen him in like one of the round tables or something, but I, it's definitely not the factory. I think that people would assume a place like, like mm. that is, it's really not. It's like way more hands-on, way more like focused on the individual artists. So for me, like coming from the playwriting world, that's been so great. Cause it feels like similar to yeah. what I do when I'm sitting around writing a play, even though it's a very different world, larger worlds set pieces, explosions, you know? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and has that been difficult balancing that with high town shooting as well? No, that's okay. I yeah. acting and writing, I think are actually quite easy to balance. It's writing and writing. So when I was writing the play, I had to stop working for DC for that. Um, for like six weeks, I had to be like, I'm not, you know, and they were so yeah. understanding and amazing. They're like, we'll see you when you're, when you're in performances. Um, Have they come? No, because they all live in L.A. Yeah, those motherfuckers. Well, I'm going to have to make more phone calls. It's going to be a crazy closing night. I know. What we really need is for this. We also need a theater in L.A. We really want a theater in L.A. Today. I could totally see. Or San Diego, right? Because they have amazing. A, yeah, yeah. We need California. Now I want to come to closing night. Fuck, I might have to do that. Ryan, come to closing night. Wait, oh, yeah. you should email me. I'll catch you again. Oh, awesome. Uh, are you on Instagram? Oh, Danielle, connect us by email after yes. this. I'm on Instagram, A-N-A-N-O-G-I. Yeah. Which is important for the viewers, which let me get back to. So yeah. final question, you know, mm-hmm. I ask every guest this, you know, mm-hmm. and that, it's not just for actors. It has been a crazy time. We've touched on it. COVID things are so out of the norm in this business and people that are starting out now, it is so fucking confusing and it's such a saturated business, no matter acting like what advice would you give this next generation of artists that are just trying to figure out a way to, to, to start, you know, because it just is, it is so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. Well, I would say two things. One, which is that in some ways it's never been easier to make your own, whatever, and um, you can make it with an iPhone, you know what I mean? And you can put it on YouTube and you can make a little, you make a short film, like you can make something yourself and um, do that for a million reasons. One, to get yourself out there so people can see you. Two, so that you can learn to be proficient in yeah. other ways. You know, you to, I think you have to be now. You, you the seventies are done. You can't just yeah. be an actor. You yeah. can't just be an actor. And you know, I don't know. Do you, I don't, you just don't just want to be an actor. No. Like that's the other thing is it's, it's don't just do it to make it do it because you learned that you enjoyed it. And that's why I would say like, make your own little something because you might find out you're not a writer. You don't have to be a writer. You might find out that you actually like directing or that you actually like the producing aspect of it. Like you, 
you should be good at something else other than acting. It doesn't have to be writing, but if you pick up a phone and tape something and make a short with your friends, like you're going to get a better idea of where your other skill set lies. Totally. Um, and that's important. And then the other thing is that's true is the thing that's always been true. And it is the thing that was true in the seventies and eighties and nineties and forever. And that is, you have to find a community. Yeah. And that's what's been the hardest about the pandemic is that we've lost so much community and so much has gone online. So and true. You have to find people that you like working with, that you can commiserate with, that you can do self tapes with, that you can, if you are a writer, that you can have them read your stuff out loud in your living room with some like wine and some cheese. Like that's, you have to find a group, a community that to me has been the most invaluable time, part of my time in New York city. It's one of the reasons I could never quite make LA work because now I, I think it takes a lot of, it's it's 10 different cities. You never see your friend. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Building a community out there and people definitely do, but it's, and and it's a lot more snakes and flakes, you know, like, Everyone exactly. here is grinding to be here, so they don't have time to fake a relationship, you know? Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. So, and, and some people, like, filtered in from the schools here. So, you yeah. have these, like, made communities, if like, of people that all went to this school and this school and this school. So, that's my advice is, like, figure out how to do some stuff on your own, not just and, – and don't cynically do it to – oh, this is going to be the thing. This short film is going to be the thing that's going to catapult me to start up. No, yeah. do it for the sake of making that thing. And because you and, love it. And because you love it, exactly. And if you don't love it, then please, please God, yeah. hit it and find another job. Yeah. Because yeah. What, what are you doing if you're not obsessed with totally this? And right. so find a way to make something and enjoy it and learn what you're good at and make some friends. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, Tim Robbins did the podcast and he said the same thing. Find your tribe. Yes. Find your yeah. tribe. And people have been doing that forever. And that's what you find out. You hear all these stories about all these actors that came up together, all these famous, incredible actors that 100%. were class together and the, you know, how Steppenwolf was started and all of that stuff really, really matters. And I, I I'm so grateful to to that part of my life. I feel so incredibly lucky and it can turn into two people playing the lead in your play, you know, and then you'll be the happiest little playwright that was. So I really hope, you know, people listen to that because even doing this now, you know, because I know we originally were planning to do it, you know, in studio in person, which I would have loved, especially, you know, how good this was, but things happen but like there just needs to be an imperative of like get the fuck off zoom get the fuck off facetime and meet the fuck up yes it's go to the park and read a play out loud in the park like it's you know yes see people in person that's what this entire medium is about is actual human connection so yeah. Do not. It is so easy. It is so easy when you are unemployed and broke yeah. and depressed to just not just narrating your, everything. That's my yeah, <laughs> just not leave your apartment yeah, for yeah. days at a time because you don't want to spend money yeah. and you don't want to talk to people about how 
bad you feel about your career. Like this is my twenties. Like me talking, that's like, I feel like there were years in my twenties that were lost to that. Identify on every. Yeah. And so like get, fight that urge, get out, see people, spend the money on the, on the beer or the coffee or whatever. It will pay you back in the friendships and the relationships that you make so that you can survive in this business. Anna Nagata, this was incredible. Anna Nagata, this was incredible. And I'm so fucking grateful. It's such a good show. You are amazing. This was so deep and beautiful. And I'm just, I'm so grateful for you taking the time. I love the show. I Thank you so much. Thank you. Come back when Hightown's out. And and really, yes. I, I really mean it. I, I want to work with you. You're That's- incredible. So it's 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 just, I, I just did SVU. So, you know, I, I got a credit. You got a credit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm so proud of you. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. This um, was such a treat. Thank you. All right. Yes, and and I'll, I'll see you at closing. All right. Yes, you'll see me at closing. Definitely write me and I'll get you. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.